This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee. Florida's COVID surge continues with more than 20,000 new cases over the past four days, but the governor will not be changing any policies or imposing mask mandates. No, no mandates for anything. I mean, these are individual uh, choices. Ron DeSantis wants the federal government to do something to help the demonstrators in Cuba, and he supports their street protest against the Cuban government. Quite a change for the guy who wanted to lock up Black Lives Matter protesters here in America last year. They are not necessarily, we were talking about this, necessarily designed to be peaceful. They are trying to end the regime. Um, and so that is fundamentally different than what we saw last summer. DeSantis says one thing the U.S. can do to help the dissidents in Cuba is provide satellite Internet after their government pulled the plug. The state will be spending more than $100 million to beef up civics education this year. That includes a new emphasis on debate in high school. Jacob Gadbury just graduated, and debate was his favorite subject. And I think debate really gives kids in the younger generation a way to learn and think critically and have friends and a way to think about government and understand that this person might have a bias, but hey, this person, Democrat, Republican, left, right, we're all the same at the end of the day. Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Fried is asking for suggestions to help encourage what's known as energy equity. Systemic inequalities lead to a cycle of energy inefficiency and high energy costs. With this study, we can completely understand the inequalities and inequities across our state and work towards actually creating solutions. Fried runs the state energy office and says studies have shown that black, Hispanic and low-income families face an energy burden three times higher than other consumers. We'll also have your calendar of events and the story of a Florida woman who went to jail after refusing to wear a mask on an airplane. She even spit on some fellow passengers as she was being removed from the plane. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Wednesday, July 14th. This is Bastille Day, the anniversary of the start of the French Revolution in 1789. When I was young, we were taught they stormed the Bastille to free the political prisoners. Later in life, I learned the real reason. That was where they kept the guns. This is also National Mac and Cheese Day, National Tape Measure Day, Pandemonium Day, Shark Awareness Day, and National Nude Day, which I'm celebrating right now. Three cheers for working from home. On this date in 1850, Florida physician John Gorey of Apalachicola made the first public display of ice made by refrigeration. In 1933, Germany began mandatory sterilization of people with hereditary illnesses. They also banned all political parties, except, of course, the Nazi Party. In 1966, Richard Speck raped and killed eight nurses in a Chicago dormitory. And on this date in 1975, Disney announced plans for construction of the Epcot Center in Orlando. The COVID surge continues in Florida. Over the past four days, we've averaged more than 5,000 new cases every day. Haven't seen numbers like this in the Sunshine State since the end of April. Officials in Orange County are recommending that everyone wear a mask at crowded indoor locations, regardless of whether they're vaccinated. But Governor Ron DeSantis says he will not be making any changes in his statewide mask policies. No, no mandates for anything. I mean, these are individual uh, choices, particularly with schools. I think that I think everyone knows by now schools have not been in any in any way any high risk environment. And I think it's very unfair for some of the youngest kids who are the least susceptible, least likely to spread it. 
they have the mitigation imposed on them more severely than a lot of adults do. So we think it should be a normal school year. Uh, if individuals, individuals can do what they want as an individual, but, but for policy, uh, no mandates and, um, and, and no penalties for anything going forward. Governor, what's your message to Floridians who haven't received a vaccine yet? We're trying, you know, we're seeing cases going up here in Orange County. What so we've, um, we uh, worked very hard to, to get this thing distributed. And obviously at the beginning, we did the seniors first. Our view was they're the most at risk. And then we went down on the age group. Seniors, I think we have 85% of the seniors have gotten shots. Over 50, the percentage is pretty high. And then obviously some of those folks have recovered from COVID, which is also confers immunity. As you go down the age groups, the uptake has been, has been a lot less. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. Uh, so we've done a good job of making it available. You literally could go to any pharmacy now in the state just about, make an appointment and go in, get it free of charge. So there's no lines, there's no anything. And what we said, you know, I made this, made this comment about, uh, I think at the beginning of end of April, beginning of May, I said, look, this is a seasonal pattern. We knew it was gonna be low in May and it was, and we knew as we got to the end of June, July, it would go up because that's what happened last year. And it's not just unique to Florida, the Sun Belt has the similar thing. So people have an opportunity to, to protect themselves against that. But I would say certainly uh, our elderly population has, has responded. I think, I think 85% plus have gotten shots. Anybody that has underlying health conditions, I think they've really done well on. So I think what you're seeing with the positive test, I think is generally unvaccinated people who are in some of those lower age groups. To add insult to injury, the governor is now trying to raise money off of masks or the lack thereof. If you check out the merchandise on his campaign website, you'll find two custom beer koozies that poke fun at the pandemic. One shows DeSantis holding a tall boy with a quote, how the hell am I going to be able to drink a beer with a mask on? The other says, don't Fauci my Florida. It's all great fun, unless you happen to be a relative or friend of the more than 40,000 Floridians who died from COVID-19 on DeSantis's watch. The governor was in Miami Tuesday for a roundtable discussion of the protests in Cuba, and you could cut the hypocrisy with a knife. DeSantis went ballistic last year over the Black Lives Matter demonstrations here in America. He championed a new law to put protesters in jail. But when it comes to demonstrations in Cuba, DeSantis is all in. So what I think what's happening in Cuba is these are people that are uh, rebelling against a, a communist dictatorship. They are not necessarily, we were talking about this, necessarily designed to be peaceful. They are trying to end the regime. Um, and so that is fundamentally different than what we saw last summer where people were burning down buildings. Um, and this fortunately wasn't happening in Florida to any large extent, burning down buildings, um, looting, uh, breaking windows, uh, targeting law enforcement and all those things. And so um, I think that people understand the difference between going out and, and peacefully assembling, which is obviously people's constitutional right, um, and attacking other people or burning down buildings or dragging people out of a car and doing that. So, uh, they're, so they're much different situations. And uh, but what's going on in Cuba in particular, you know, those are not just simply normal run-of-the-mill protests like we would see here in the United States. They don't have freedoms respected there, whereas in the United States you have a panoply of freedoms that are respected. Uh, they are seeking an end, um, an end to the regime itself. So, how should America respond? 
Miami-Dade Congressman Carlos Jimenez says we should tighten the economic screws, provide money for the opposition, and provide satellite internet so protesters can continue to coordinate their activities on social media after the Cuban government shut down access to the web. What we can do uh, quickly is reestablish the communications inside inside Cuba. Cuban, Cuban people need to be able to communicate with themselves. We certainly don't need to be talking to the Cuban government. Uh, we need to uh, assert that uh, the limit of the, the Cuban uh, government's ability to, to uh, access credit around the world. The reason why they have a credit problem is because they have a communist system that doesn't work and they're broke and they don't pay their bills. Uh, we need to help the, the dissidents inside the, the island by uh, giving them uh, financial support. Um, and we need also to be a leader in the international community in condemning what's happening inside Cuba t uh, today. Uh, and has happened uh, inside Cuba for, for, for many years. And we also have to be very clear about what's happening in Cuba. It is not about vaccines, it is not about food, it is about liberty. They, the Cuban people are fed up. And finally, one thing that uh, a young, young person in Cuba said was, they've taken everything away from us, including our fear. And you know what? When the Cuban people no longer fear the Cuban government, it's the beginning of the end, and, and God, God bless you, and God thank that it is the beginning of the end. Governor DeSantis says Cuba has been a thorn in the side of American foreign policy ever since the Castro Revolution, and this may be the best opportunity to change that since the ill-fated invasion of the Bay of Pigs in 1961. We have people here who were, uh, who were in the Bay of Pigs, uh, and they remember the, the Soviet involvement in Cuba from, from the 1960s on. And, and now you have China, and they are involved in Venezuela. And oh, by the way, now is not the time to be taking away sanctions on Venezuela. That's going to end up helping the Cuban government. Obviously, it'll help the dictatorship um, in Venezuela as well. So I think that you have uh, a potential for a, a lot of hostile influences in the Western Hemisphere. And, and that Cuban regime, that is the, the centerpiece of any malign actor who wants to be involved in the Western Hemisphere against American interests, the first place you go is to Havana and you make common cause with them. And so they have caused, uh, if you look at the Western Hemisphere since the regime uh, seized power, uh, Havana has been the focal point of almost all the problems in the Western Hemisphere, the majority of the problems um, emanate from there. When you see some of these other Marxist regimes, that has the Cuban dictatorship's fingerprints on it every single time. So it's uh, that regime's existence has obviously been very devastating to millions of people's lives. Um, it's been very hostile to American interests consistently for over 60 years, every step of the way. DeSantis also supports the idea of providing satellite internet to the island. He says there are Florida companies that can make that happen. Before appearing at that roundtable discussion in Miami, the governor was in Orlando to announce the next stage of his efforts to beef up civics education in the Sunshine State. I'm proud to announce that the state of Florida will be dedicating an additional $106 million towards civics education in the state of Florida. And this funding will include a number of different avenues. Uh, the largest portion is $65 million for the creation and implementation of the Florida Civic Seal of Excellence, a new professional credential for educators in civics education. Every teacher who competes the training and earns the Civic Seal of Excellence will receive a $3,000 bonus 
from the state of Florida. This was something that we had announced we wanted to do many months ago. Uh, we had some of the, the funding that, that we received for the coronavirus. We went to the legislature, we told them the legislature basically in the legislative session said, okay, send in your plan and that's what we're doing. So the Department of Education has created this plan and we're gonna be able to get moving on this. Uh, we believe that once the, the curriculum is finalized that we're gonna be able during this school year to start awarding these bonuses and these credentials for the teachers who compete, uh, who, who complete this. And it's not just for civics teachers. Obviously, I think people that are teaching civics should want to go through this. I think it's worthwhile. I think obviously there's a financial incentive to do it. But if you're teaching other subjects, not everyone has a connection, but certainly some other subjects do have a connection where this could be important for a baseline. So we're proud of being able to offer $3,000 bonuses, and we think this will be a real, real important credential uh, for teachers, not just who focus on civics, but also who are involved in other areas. This new program is a follow-up to the Florida Civics and Debate Initiative, and 5,500 high school students are expected to participate in debate during the next school year. Jacob Gadbury just graduated from high school in Orlando, and he says debate is awesome. I haven't been in debate that long. I've only taken two short years, but I think of all things I've done in high school, it's probably one of the best decisions I've ever made. As Mr. DeSantis has said, many kids can solve for X. They can identify literary devices, but many of them can't learn know how to really think critically and hey what is this person trying to say may they have my bad biases is this a logical argument and I think debate really gives kids in a younger generation a way to learn and think critically and have friends and a way to think about government and understand that this person might have a bias but hey this person Democrat Republican left right we're all the same at the end of the day and I think a lot of people get hung up on, oh, this person's different than me, so I'm just gonna yell at them and get angry. But at the end of the day, we're all trying to make the world a better place. And I think debate gives you a way to understand and go to that person and say, hey, I appreciate you as a person. Phase two of the debate initiative begins in August at 161 schools in 48 different counties. If you've got any ideas about how to deal with the issue of energy equity, you've got one week to submit a proposal to the state. Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Freed oversees the state energy office, and she says studies have shown that low-income, black, and Hispanic families face an energy burden three times higher than other customers, mostly because of higher utility bills due to energy-inefficient appliances and the lack of insulation and weatherization. Systemic inequalities lead to a cycle of energy inefficiency and high energy costs. With this study, we can completely understand the inequalities and inequities across our state and work towards actually creating solutions. So the deadline to submit these applications is July 25th at 5 p.m., so that's one week from tomorrow. And so we've already been working on solutions. We've idolized our Office of Energy. We've actually had the first ever in almost 10 years, our Energy and Climate Summit that was held in Tampa in 2019 that will also be happening again this year. And we've also been able to put out $1 million in low-income energy grants. And of course, we are working with the Biden administration dealing with carbon sequestration. Everybody has energy bills, but too many are having to choose between paying their electric bills, paying for their rent, paying for food on the table. And this is 2021. We live in the great state of Florida, an incredible country. These should not have to be decisions that family members have to make on an every day and every month basis. So we need your help to get this information in so we can actually start to make a change and make an impact on these families. 
State Representative Angie Nixon of Jacksonville knows about the problem all too well. Her office gets plenty of calls from constituents who cannot keep up with the cost of power. Lower income should not equate to paying almost three times the amount in energy costs than those who make more. People deserve access to clean and affordable energy. As a proponent of affordable housing, a living wage, and environmental equity, it is disheartening to see folks struggling to get ahead in a system working against them. I can't tell you the amount of calls that my office receives as it relates to uh, them being able, residents being unable to pay their utility bill. Thankfully, we have organizations like Northeast Florida Community Action Agency and even some of my great uh, residents of District 14 that have stepped up to the plate to help assist folks who've been burdened. But I am really honored and happy that Commissioner Freed has decided to take uh, these findings one step further and providing these grants and opportunities for folks to pay down their energy costs. July 21st is the deadline to submit your ideas to make the cost of energy more equitable. Time now to check your calendar of events. The State Board of Education meets at 9 in Pinellas County to consider issues involving student performance standards. The Board of Governors of Citizens Property Insurance meets at 9 in the Orlando Marriott and Lake Mary. They'll be Zooming at 2. The Commission on Offender Review meets in Tallahassee at 9. The Florida Board of Optometry meets in Miami at 9. The Florida Board of Professional Geologists meets in Tallahassee at 9. Congressman Charlie Crist, who is running for governor, holds a press conference in Sarasota at 9.30 to announce his Clean Water for All plan. The Education Estimating Conference meets in Tallahassee at 9.30 to talk about public school enrollment. The State Reemployment Assistance Appeals Commission meets in Tallahassee at 9.30. U.S. Representative Kathy Castor, State Senator Janet Cruz, Hillsborough County Tax Collector Nancy Mellon, and Tampa City Councilman Louis Luis Vieira will hold a press availability at 10 to express solidarity with the people of Cuba and the protests that continue on the island. The Office of Financial Regulation holds a hearing at 10 in Tampa about a merger of Hillsborough Bank and the Bank of Tampa. And trustees of South Florida State College meet at 1 in Avon Park. Finally today, a Florida woman ended up behind bars after being forcibly removed from a Southwest Airlines flight for refusing to wear a mask. Police at the Lee County Port Authority say 23-year-old Adelaide Shrowang of Sarasota refused to mask up, and when the pilot asked her to get off, she refused and spit at other passengers. The charges? Interfering with aircraft operations, resisting officers, and trespass. That's it for today's episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics. 